2: This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on iTunes.
3: All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by
4: Managers.
5: is dum dum a podcast about the Archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. Spouting Borsetshire banalities, it's P&Q here. Philippa Hall.
6: And Quentin Rayner.
5: Plus, we've assembled all 20 buyers of a Borsetshire lad. You lot, our lovely dum de but before we get started, we do need to share some terribly sad news. Anyone who's listened to de Dum as long as I have will know the phrase hoo issued by the lovely Millie Bell, whose social media roundups were legendary. Sadly we heard the very upsetting news that Millie Bell died this week, and we wanted to let you all know, and it seems only fitting for Royfield to say a few words.
0: Being part of a community is about sharing or communicating over a shared passion. Ours is a community where many of us have never actually physically met. However, through our love of the arches, we've created a space where we've got to know each other through this podcast and social media. This connection is as important to us humans as water, food and shelter. While some may disagree on the exact nature of life or the soul that animates us, We know when we've been touched by someone, and Millie Bell, a.k.a. Julie Riley, was one such special person. In many subtle but important ways, Millie made the podcast. For six years, she delivered her social media roundups from the other side of the globe in northern Victoria, with little and no fuss. In that time, if we spoke vocally ten times, I'd be surprised. Between the drama of Helen and Rob, or multiple Aldrich kerfuffles, she spoke of her work as a teacher, her daughters who both contributed to the show, and her philosophy of life, which was strong on tolerance and empathy in those roundups, which I told her back in 2014 were hers to do with what she wanted. Each person in Buddhism is viewed as an energy rather than a body or a soul. And I think that it's perfect and rather apt that for us... Dumpty Dummers, Millie Bell was that kinetic spark that helped bind our community together for such a long time. A voice from Australia that became as familiar and as comforting as a character from The Archers itself. She passed away this week. She passed away too soon.
4: G'day everyone. Millie Bell here with the social media roundup for the week. This is my last um, episode with you. I've had the most awesome run i think i've been uh, doing this for about six years i'd like to thank yokel bear for the laughs for all the support and for being someone i could have a little grumble about the arches with on the side uh very much would like to um thank royfield for having given me the opportunity and lucy v for all her support and absolutely with a spoon, who is just one of the nicest people around. I'm so glad that he's also my friend. But I also have other friends that I've made through Dumpty Dum. And I'd like to say to everybody who's called in or who has played with us on Facebook, thank you very much. And with that, for the final time, I say to you. Hooroo! <laughs>
5: Gosh, I've got no words, but but we have Yokel Bear, who can put it much better than Quentin and I, as he worked with Millie Bell on Dundee Dum for as many years as I can remember.
7: I heard the news about Millie Bell today, and I'm just so saddened and devastated um, at the news. Um, Millie Bell was an incredible person to... um, work with on Dumpty Dum, um, she was just so full of life and passion for the archers and everything that she did, um, funny, God, the amount of times that she just kind of kept me going, um, especially when I was really nervous about, like, when I was hosting the podcast, um, you know, she'd just be there with so much support, um, like I said, I don't know what to say. I mean I think the world is a much poorer place without her and I was just glad to know her for the time that I did. Um we were planning uh the next time she was in Scotland to, to meet up because we've never actually met in person. Skype, um, through the podcast, all that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, we kind of met there, but we've never met in person. Um, And I just think, you know, it's just such a shame. It's so sad. And I hope you're all okay.
5: Thank you, Yokel Bear. Thank you so much for those words. They, they mean a lot. For me, Millie Bell was, was everything Dum Dum stands for, that no matter where in the world we are, we come together to celebrate the joy of the archers. It's, it's such a loss. It was so unexpected. She, she was my age and just thinking of her family, her friends, and everyone she came into contact with. She was warm, kind, funny, and insightful. Haru, Millie Bell. Haru.
6: Yes, well said, Philippa. Uh, and uh, that's why this week's Dumpty Dum is a very special one, as it features a Dumpty Dum tune from 2014 from Millie Bell and her family. And uh, these were the players. We had Bruce Archibald on Vibes, Calypso Archibald on Tenor Sax, Dexie Archibald on Alto Sax, Millie Bell, otherwise known as Julie Riley, on Bass. And they all recorded it on Garage Band in sunny northern Victoria, Australia.
5: Well, like any family and community, we'll get through it together and we'll support each other. So if you need to talk, you know where to find us. The Facebook group is probably the the best starting point, but do reach out. And somehow we need to gently get back to Ambridge. It's a tricky one, I I admit, given the news about Millie and, and what happened in Ambridge. So just bear with us as we try to steer the right course. So, Quentin, it's down to you to raise our spirits, bring us back to Ambridge and tell us what's been happening in Borsetshire land.
6: I will will do my best, Philip. I will do my best. Um, Sadly, I have to report another death, but thankfully, in this case, it's a fictional one. You you may have seen Jeremy Howe, the editor of The Archers, was quoted in both The Times and The Telegraph as saying the programme is the rolling stones of Radio 4 because it's as popular with millennials as it is with over 50s. And this week, our Bert Fry joined Charlie Watts in that great ploughing match in the sky. We knew something was up, didn't we? Because every other sentence mentioned Bert, a character who's been utterly silent for months on end. We heard a smidgen of Jill's Harvest Festival bloomer's speech in the barn at Brookfield, And then it was reported with great affection and some mickey taking that Bert was cheered to the rafters for his poetry reading whilst leaning on his imaginary spade. After a few rounds of beer and cribbage, Bert appeared to have nodded off in the bull. Maybe he was catching up on BBC Sounds. But at 85, Bert had decided to throw in his hand after 33 years as an Ambridge regular. For 25 of those years, he's been played by Eric Allen, who says he's now looking forward to a long retirement with the real Frida in his life. And we hope not too many trips to the chemist to collect blue pills. Poor Ben. Hospitality and nursing don't mix well for him, do they? After getting freaked out by Vince's prank the other week in the restaurant... The trainee froze when he realised what had happened in the bull. Maybe I'm not cut out for it, he wailed. Yes, you are, Beth told him firmly, because you care. Bert may have fallen off the mortal coil, but it brought a welcome spin-off. Three of the archer's siblings had a good old chinwag and joked about Shula the Bishop of Borsetshire and Elizabeth the rebel, armed with a cello. More, please. And even better... Russ and Freddie squared up for handbags at Halloween. The young pargeter had a dig about a Russ-fest and then reminded his twin sister that her boyfriend is a creep and that she secretly knows he is delicious. And the odious slime ball really ticked us off when he declared Freddie should realise when to speak and when to be silent and demanded he cancelled Bert's invitation to read some ghost stories, while all Lily did was to meekly ask him to cut her brother some slack How many more red flags do you need, Miss Pagetur? Now, Philippa, we need to talk about Trevor, Bert's grieving son. Anyone who can bore Tony about trains deserves our attention. Trevor led him through the branch lines around Crewe, then told him about a fellow passenger, a monosyllabic judge, so desperate to flee his company, he alighted at Wolverhampton rather than Birmingham before moving on to his interest in stones he shared with his father. Tony tried to parry with talk of the potato harvest as Rex entered the fray. Or should that be Fry? The conversation moved on to biscuits, postcards, and touchingly more about rocks and stones. But really, all Trevor craved was company, people to chew the fat with. And before he knew it, Rex had agreed to let the most boring man he'd ever met wangle his way to stay until the weekend. By Thursday evening, Operation Badger was underway in the bull as Eddie, Jolene, Rex, Tony and Leonard drew up a boredom rotor to keep Trevor company in 15-minute stints. They soon flagged. Tony bailed early. Eddie lamented the man could bore the backside off a dead rabbit while Jolene watched her pub empty. After sending us down a wormhole of alphabetical duos but denied the chance to talk about the stars, Trevor left happy and on the walk home bestowed his father's poetry notebooks to Rex and confided that Bert spoke about him like he was a second son. It was all beautifully written by Nick Warburton and wonderfully acted by Julian Ryan Tutt. I think, though, we should leave the last word to Bert. Sadly, he never got to pen an ode to joy, but in a talent show in 2001, we heard him reflect about the wettest ever autumn. Above the Dark Horizon... The thunderclouds were piling, lightning split the sullen sky, only the ducks were smiling. September soaked the sodden plough, October turned still wetter. My Frida said she'd emigrate, if it didn't get much better.
5: (laughs) That's a great way to end the roundup, Quentin. Well, well done. Well, that's the gist of the last five episodes in Ambridge. And on this week's podcast, we hear thoughts from Jen, Helen, Lauren, Christine, Cheryl, Catherine, Jen again. And of course, just for Quentin, a non of Ambridge. So what did you, our wonderful dumpty dummers, make of it all? Hello, Ambridge 3962. And first of all, we have Jen, who has two calls, but this one is about the wonder of Bert.
1: Greetings, Quentin and Philippa. Uh, Jen here, just calling in, in tribute to Bert, really. Um, I was devastated on Monday when they, they decided to take Bert out at the pub. Um, absolutely awful. Uh, Bert is genuinely one of my favourite characters, because for me, he's one of the most true to life I've met a lot of men like Bert, as a vet, um, really genuine, honest, hardworking types. Some of them never been out of their county, and just you couldn't meet a nicer bunch of people. And to me, that's what Bert was. Um, always felt very sorry for him, very undervalued by the Archers family, who were so intolerant of his poetry or you know, putting him down and saying he's boring. Bert was anything but boring. Um, He led a very productive, hard-working life. He had his garden. He had his poetry. He's actually a very interesting character. Um, I always remember Phil when he got older and they'd be flapping around and, oh, Dad, you shouldn't be doing the cows. And, oh, Dad, you're getting on. And there was Bert, 10 years his senior, knocking up the the silage and feeding the cows and getting everything in. And nobody ever giving him a second look, never complaining. (laughs) Um, Wonderful man, wonderful husband. Just a great character to have on and I think the show will be much the poorer for his loss. And I really wish we had seen a sort of second Lisa Life for Bert and maybe have him doing creative writing classes in the school and passing on all his, his knowledge and folklore. Not to be. Um, best wishes to the actor. He's done great service over the years and uh, he will be much missed.
6: Thank you. Jen, that was a that was very heartfelt, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. it's coming from somebody who lives and works in the countryside, as Jen does, uh, as a vet in in Ireland. She she says that uh, Bert was one of his favourite characters. I'd almost forgotten what he sounded like, actually, hadn't you, Philippa? Because we really mm. had not heard from him for for ages. Yeah. I, I do think it would have been a nice touch to actually bring in Eric Allen right at the end and say, Eric, do you want to say? Yeah, read from the Borshchikov lad uh, at the harvest supper, but mm. per- perhaps he wasn't available or just <laughs> didn't want to do it. I don't know. Um, she says that he, he was a Bert was a very genuine, hardworking man, and in fact, that was picked up by Eric Allen. I saw in an interview with him that he said that's the thing about Bert is that um, he, he just muddled through whatever he's thrown at. Whatever was thrown at him, he he just got on with it with a smile on his face and, and just made it happen. And um, she's right; he was working right up until until the end. And um, it was it was interesting because the archers were, were at it, weren't they? Taking a piss out of his poetry before the the harvest supper, and then when they really sat and when Kenton read one out, they then they listened properly to what he said. They they were moved, weren't they? Said, "Oh, that's rather touching." Him, yeah, you know, Ambridge yeah. soil and all that. Um, I mean, you yeah, know, the poetry was not of the highest quality, let's be honest, but there was a sincerity in that poetry and a love for the land and that really came through. So I, I get what you're saying, Jen.
5: I thought Kenton sounded quite sad when he finished that last poem, you know, Ambridge in Our Blood. It just, it, it did sound quite meaningful. And I completely agree with you, Quentin. It would have been wonderful if we'd been able to hear but mm. read those poems mm. um, before uh, his send off. It, it, that would have been nice, but I believe uh, the actor is not one for technology. That's certainly what I've uh, I've been told. So uh, uh, getting onto Zoom or whatever might not have been his his first choice. So fair enough. It was still good to hear his words being read. Although a cheese and pickle sandwich being his favourite sandwich with a pickled egg. Obviously, you know, food references. I've got to be straight in there. I've never in my life had a pickled egg. Have you had a pickled egg?
6: Pickled egg. Um, I might have had one in China, actually. I, I, I ate some strange stuff in China, quite possibly.
5: I, I've seen them at the fish and chip shop. They have them in these big glass bowls that nobody ever <laughs> did cracks open so how how many decades they've been there i don't know but yeah uh, a cheese and pickle sandwich sounds lovely but just not with a pickled egg i I can't think of anything worse
6: it sounds like something you find on those um Old museum shelves, don't you in yeah. Those jars?
5: Yes, exactly. Antiques <laughs> yes. roadshow. I I don't know, because Jen says he he wasn't but wasn't boring. And for me, he was boring in a good way. He was one of those characters that, as Jen said, just got on with things. Head down, get on. Need to build something to house the chickens in, build hmm. it, need to build something for Rosie, do it. He just got on. Um with with his life and
6: and didn't want for great things, wasn't sort of wistful. Well, both Trevor and Rex said there's not much to go through. And he's yes. like a man of simple pleasures. I mean I did think, I don't know if you agree, it was a bit clunky, wasn't it? It was like every other I said in my summary, every other <laughs> sentence was about Burt. You think, oh <laughs> I think you're signposting something here, folks. (laughs) I did think if I'd had to sort of take a
5: shot every time the the word Bert, the name Bert was used, I would have to join Alice in rehab after that because it was extraordinary the amount of times. But
6: um, and, he, and he hasn't been referenced at all in, in about a year, has he really, let's be honest?
5: No, but hopefully he, the actor was really chuffed with how mm. uh, that, that was concluded for him. But uh, yes, I think we need just need to keep saying, right you are, right you are. I've been listening to old cuts of uh, Bert talking and there was it was just a lot of right you
6: are. I mean, you know, bouncing, bouncing off Joe was always fun, wasn't it? They were foils to each other yes. and the ri- rivalry of the f produce and all that. That was that was always a bit bit of fun, wasn't it? I have to say. Uh, I mean, I I found Bert, you know, lovable and he just sort of, he was a nice, comfortable character to have around. I mean, he's a bit irritating and tiresome at times, but you you couldn't dislike the man, could you?
5: No, exactly. I mean, he never stood out for me, but without him there, it's, you know, it's like a a solid leg of a table. Without that that character there, the Ambridge will be a, a lesser place, I think.
6: Well... Unless Trevor stays around, yes,
5: yeah. Anyway, we'll come on to Trevor. More later. later, but yes, very good. So, Jen, thank you very much. And now we come to Lauren, who is a first-time caller in a uh, Well hooray, done, Lauren. Hooray. Yes, and she's got some thoughts on the week.
8: Hi, everybody at Dumpty Dum. This is Lauren, and it's my first time sending a message into the podcast, so please bear with me. This could get interesting. <laughs> Last week in Umbridge was a little bit of a mixed bag, I think. um really really good week actually um maybe it was just me but i definitely knew something was going on I, th- I knew that something was going to happen um i don't know what it is but it seems to be a running theme that whenever a character's going to get killed off they people s- tend to sing their praises quite a bit a few days before they go i mean let's be honest who has ever actually enjoyed Bert's poems. I get the idea. I've only been listening to The Archers for about six years but I get the idea that his poetry was never that well received. could be wrong but yeah. Um, Very sad though. Um, Monday's episode was very sad. I've not really seen a lot of Bert in the programme since I uh, became a listener but the impression I've always got is that he was quite a well-received character. A lot of people liked him and I think especially David and Ruth um, respected him quite a bit. Uh, Another observation, I've just got to say this, I absolutely love Beth. She is such a great character. um, Absolutely fantastic addition to the cast. And just, yeah, a very good all-rounder. She's just got a lot of common sense, um, very sensible. And I love the way she dealt with um, Ben's... Insecurities and as completely natural as they were on uh, Tuesday, you know, it, it's completely it was completely natural for him to feel that way after what happened. But she dealt with it completely, perfectly, in my opinion, and just yeah, it was it was wonderful. Um, my final observation: <laughs> when are they going to get rid of Russ? I mean, honestly, <laughs> he was just showing his usual charming self the entire week, um, and I just i mean freddie is I mean, he's still so young a lot of people criticize him quite heavily um and yeah i mean he probably wasn't the best towards lily um but he probably was right as well if it wasn't going to be chelsea that russ was going to go on to you know it's going to be somebody in the, in the future that just tends to be how these things work um but I just felt that Freddie wasn't really listened to at all when he proposed his idea, um, and it just seemed a bit—I don't know—I I didn't like it. And honestly, I just—I—I I can't stand Russ. The sooner he leaves, the better for not only Lily but everybody else in <laughs> Lower Locksley. <laughs>
5: Well, Lauren, thank you so much for calling in. That was a splendid first-time call, and it was. you're going Brilliant. to have to call back every week from now on. That was sensational. So you knew something was going to happen this week, I, yeah. yes? I think I think we all did. And and what a sad episode it, it turned out to be. You love Beth, and when will they get rid of Russ? Well, yes, it was a sort of a homage to Bert this week with all the references, as as we've already mentioned. Um, but. Russ, I absolutely agree with you, Lauren. When is he going to go? But then I like having him there because i I love hearing the sort of the odious nature. It's good to have a different sort of character um. And Elizabeth was just awful to Freddie as well. Oh, you've done this before with your hidden lower Loxley tours. I thought you'd have learnt from that. Oh my goodness! How about encouraging your children? It just seemed in certainly early on in the week, it was Elizabeth and Lily and Russ against poor Freddie. Um, I was. I still, I
6: still can't get over Elizabeth condoning the whole Russ Lily thing. I keep saying this, but she seems completely mm. oblivious to it. Doesn't seem bothered at all. Never has.
5: Well, I think that Russ and Lily deserve each other and I think Elizabeth deserves them as well. But Freddie, I want to break free and uh, Freddie can live somewhere else and have a lovely life.
6: No, I want him to exercise his inheritance and throw Russ out. Maybe that's how he's going to be (gasps) thrown out. I mean, there is quite a lot of chatter on Twitter about this, about the actual timetable for his inheritance. So... uh, I mean, Russ is not playing a very smart game here, is he? If he's upsetting the future heir of Lower Loxley. So maybe that's that's how he's how he's how how he slings his hook. Because how that's old is Freddie now? Freddie's got to be, is he approaching 21? They're 21, aren't
5: they? They've, they've had their 21st. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But right often ahead, yeah. some of those um, sort of older family trusts, I'm presuming it's in a trust, um, are that you inherit much later on um in age so it it wouldn't and necessarily also,
6: be elizabeth has some rights to stay there and all that but um
5: yes yes yeah. of course.
6: but i mean what 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 an idiot to upset freddie i mean he's not really th- thinking long term is he russ
5: oh but lovely that's going to give us some great scenes in the future yes I, I think
6: I'd, i'm all for that but freddie played a blinder as well it? i mean the good thing about freddie is the one person who just keeps goading and putting the needle into yes. Russ. <laughs> No, I mean he's fantastic isn't he? I mean he's a creep and you know it. <laughs> um, and then goading her about off to see Chelsea again eh? <laughs> um, we need more of that. I mean that's the best aspect of Freddie. He's there just to express our our universal loathing and hatred of of, of Russ.
5: Yes, absolutely. When Freddie said uh, punctuation I've never heard it called that. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that was a good euphemism, wasn't that? That was good. That was it good. was
5: fantastic.
6: But Russ is, you know, he's the pantomime baddie, isn't he? I mean, we all yes. love love to hate him, but he is beyond odious, isn't he? I mean, I always post a, I'm now posting a video of a slug now on Twitter. <laughs> when I, I mean, he is just just a slime ball, isn't he? I mean, it's not a word for it.
5: Don't you think they must love? He must love playing that part because it's just, it's gloriously awful. You know, he's so he's so rude and mm. he's so nasty to freddie and he sucks up so much to elizabeth but she can't see it yeah. well, uh,
6: actors actors love playing bad don't they
5: yes exactly you want a good character whether it's a funny one or an evil one so mm. i think he's lucky he's really won the the lottery because he's he has got both there is humor there even though yeah. we dislike
6: the character but he pretty ultimately he needs to go let's be honest one thing Lauren said she loves beth doesn't she i think actually the, the young characters they're bringing through are great actually um and chelsea's another one but she said she felt that uh, he, she dealt with ben's insecurities very well um there was quite a lot of, a lot of people on Twitter's saying the opposite saying that she didn't handle it well, that she was she piled in there was showed a lack of sensitivity, should have realized that he hadn't really processed what he'd witnessed in the bull um I mean she's another root one character, isn't she like Stella and like chelsea um i I thought actually she. I thought it was not a bad approach, really. Perhaps she could have handled it a bit more sensitively. But she was concerned that he hadn't spoken about it. He just wanted to talk about planting trees. So I was with her on that.
5: Exactly. And sometimes when someone's Mm. going down that that sort of alley, you need you need to pull them back and just get them to mm. sort of acknowledge their their feelings. It works for different people in, in different ways. But I thought she she handled it quite well. She hasn't known him that long, so she might have been a bit perplexed as to why he wasn't talking about Bert. Um, mm. And once he had revealed his true feelings about it, she didn't seem to push it too much then. You spend a lot of time on Twitter, Quentin.
6: Uh, Yeah, that's my job on this damn podcast, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Says the woman who goes and listens digs out clips of Bert's poems. <laughs> Says the woman, "He'll do deep background research on the tiniest bit of food <laughs> reference in the in the podcast." <laughs> um, guilty oh, as charged, <laughs> I think both of us.
5: Yes, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, speaking of deep dives, um, and I've had to involve the the wonderful Cosmo in this because I was just very perplexed. We need to talk about Brookfield Bungalow. Um, do we? Yes, oh, yes, yes, we do. Bert's house. What is going to happen to to that and who is currently residing in it? Because originally we had Rex and Toby living in there with Bert. Then Toby sort of was moving in and out of Pip's. He was there sometimes and then not sometimes.
6: He was certainly moving in and out of Pip, Yeah.
5: Smart? No. (laughs) If I don't, if that's still in, in. yeah, let's see. Uh, Yeah, who's in charge of the editing? Um, But uh, isn't isn't Toby still there? But we haven't heard from him at all. It does seem quite strange.
6: Um, Well, we haven't heard from Toby for so long. I don't know where he is. But
5: there was no reference to him about. You know, Rex didn't even say, "Oh, and I know Toby." You know, can't can't wait to come and and. Pay his respects, and there, there was nothing which Trails. seemed very strange. So, what is going to happen to Rex in this bungalow? It's a Brookfield bungalow. It's on Brookfield land. So, David and Ruth are going to suggest yeah. that he move. Um, I'm sure Twitter's been all over it, but I, just as far as I'm concerned, it's just what's going to happen for me. Perhaps the ideal solution would be for, in time, with the right support, Blake. To live with Rex in that bungalow because that would be a great way of him getting to know the community and just you know everything calming down and with the right support in place. Um, but is Rex going to have to? Is is he going to get pushed out by David and Ruth? And is he? Do you think even-
6: they do they, they, they do the the dirty on him again?
5: Well, because he didn't help the situation with the old. Uh, TripAdvisor reviews on, on on the wedding. Yeah, but he and David had that out, didn't they? They, 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 they did. forgave yes, each other. Yes, they did. But um, I, I don't know, because he could go and live on the rewilding campsite. Nobody's going to be there in winter. Well, nobody's there any time now. But but.
6: Why does he have to be chucked out? I mean, it, it's owned by Brookfield. It's not like Trevor can sell it.
5: Yeah, but the agreement would have been with Bert, not Rex. Bert would have sort of sublet a room to Rex. Can Rex afford to pay for the whole bungalow? I don't think so. And surely it's got three bedrooms by the sound of it, because if Toby was living there as well before, you know, a three-bedroom property in Ambridge, that, the, mm. the rent's going to be higher than maybe Rex would mm. lead us to believe all, he can afford.
6: All this from the woman who doesn't think a great deal about the arches. <laughs>
5: Yeah, okay, just not on Twitter. That, so, so tell me then, what, what's the view on Twitter? What's everyone been saying about Well no, I think
6: that? a lot of people are mistaken that they think it um, that Bert owned it, so that's wrong for a start. Oh, yeah, no. Because quite a few have said, oh, well, Trevor will sell it st- straight away. Well, he can't. It's not his. No. Um, they haven't actually gone into such deep analysis as you have. Uh, that's the first time <laughs> I've heard uh, somebody contemplate how many bedrooms are in this bunker. <laughs> So um, uh, you've taken it to another level, all, is all I can say. You've Good. taken it beyond Twitter. Good. Uh, so well done. And I get a badge yeah.
5: for that?
1: You need to do. Uh, yeah. You get some likes. You get some likes.
5: Uh, well, Lauren, thank you very much for that call. Yeah, we, thank you. We look forward to your next call. And now we go to formerly cycling Christine, who has some concerns over Ambridge's treatment of Trevor.
3: Hello, Philippa, Quentin, and all fellow dum This is formerly cycling Christine here. I just wanted to phone in about Wednesday and Thursday's episodes where we were introduced to Trevor. I know that they were supposed to be funny, or at least that's what I thought. But to me, they seemed unutterably sad. Here was a man who, whether he was dull or not, had just lost his father. And I know we were drawing attention to the fact that he was found dull by probably the dullest man in in the archers, Tony. But the fact that he was made an object of fun and the fact that they were they were all describing him as dull and they had to make a rotor because they couldn't sit with him for longer than fifteen minutes with being too bored to carry on. I just thought where's your warmth? Where's the humanity? This is a man who's just lost his father. For goodness sake, you're not going to have to sit down beside him every night in the ball for the next thirty years. It's just for a couple of nights. Just smile. Just let him talk if he wants to and just sympathise with him and and be kind to him. And that just seemed a bit lacking to me. Anyway, hope it's more cheerful next week. Bye.
6: Bye, Christine. Lovely to hear from you as ever. Mm. Uh, this is a tricky one, isn't it? Because when I first listened during the week, when I wasn't on Twitter, <laughs> Philippa. Um, <laughs> for that minute. For that minute. But I, will, I was quickly back on it. I thought, my God, this band's boring. <gasps> Bloody hell, he's a bore. And um, I sort of just put him in that category. And then I noticed on Twitter that people were saying, this guy's fantastic. Mm. He's hilarious. He's fan- he's one of the best characters ever. Mm. And I thought, I thought I've got to revisit him. So I did re-listen and I concluded that he is hilariously boring. and But he has hidden depths and... If you can get over the initial dullness of the man, just listen to his breadth of knowledge and what (laughs) he knows. Actually, you could learn an awful lot Mm. from Trevor and the the likes of Trevor in this world. And uh, I thought it was crystallized by this thread on Twitter uh, between Eliza Bennett and Valentina Ovaltina. Eliza initially said, Trevor's going to be an absolute tosser, isn't he? Then she posts, I'm delighted to say that I was totally wrong. (laughs) Trevor is not a tosser. He is delightfully dull and utterly harmless. I love him. Mm. To which Valentina Ovaltina replied, and kind. That final scene Mm. with him and Rex brought a tear to my eye. And he was concerned that Tony might be having problems at home when all Tony was doing was making an excuse to leave. So rare a character can make such an impact in such a short period of time, which is absolutely spot on and i noticed that that he was concerned for tony uh that he wasn't cynical enough to think oh it's actually just a way to get a ruse to get away from me um there's as far as we know he's only been on two episodes who knows he may turn but um let's give him the benefit of the doubt he seems to be a very decent soul our trevor and i i found myself laughing at the rotor idea because i thought it was well played it was well written and there were some laughs, especially when Tony was shouting out badger, badger, you know, the dullest man, you <clears throat> know, trying to get away from a supposedly an even duller man. Um, but it, there was a hint of cruelty there. You, you, there was a sense of Eddie in particular enjoying it. Mm. Um, and you, she, Christine, you're, you, you're right. They should have had the decency and the grace to say, OK, he's boring, but we're just going to listen because, as he said, he wants company. And um they should have given it to him. And as he left the ball, that was a that was a lovely scene. And I wanted to hear him talk about the stars because I thought, y- you'll know everything about the stars mm. uh, and I'll learn something from you. So it's he's a, he's a funny mix. And what Valentina says is he's made an incredible impact so quickly. And that's down to the writing and the acting.
5: Yeah, I agree. I thought it was beautifully written and so well acted. I mean, he was Bert's son. You know, it's not like yeah. when we met Hazel, we couldn't believe that she was Jack's daughter and Amy, Alan Franks' daughter, you know, where the characters are so different. He had be he was built from birth. It was just glorious <laughs> to hear him. And the line of the century for me was when Trevor said, uh, the bearer of biscuits, a mate for life. I just thought, yes. That is true. And some of the other things, I just loved hearing the words. We had a shared interest in stones, geologically mm. speaking. Oh, gorgeous. And um, I've stumbled into many a surprising conversation on a train. I would love to sit on a train next to Trevor. I loved him. Yes, okay, if you wanted to have a really animated conversation with someone asking you lots of questions and what you think – Trevor might not be the right person for that.
6: <laughs> he, but he never stops talking, does he? <laughs>
5: yeah, but he's just his on life lovely glorious yeah i've never wanted to hear about branch lines before but i absolutely do want to hear about branch lo- lines now because uh, and sandwiches
6: sandwiches in strasbourg you must
5: have been yeah.
3: fascinated
5: <laughs> yes i was definitely definitely up for that but um, no i'm a i'm a huge trevor fan i think i thought it was absolutely wonderful and it reminds me actually of someone that uh, this is by the by but have you heard of someone called francis bourgeois Quentin. No, I haven't, no. Well, I stumbled across Francis Bourgeois on Instagram. In fact, there's a fellow Dumpty Dum listener, Katie, who uh, told me about Francis. Francis is a 21-year-old chap and he loves trains and he likes to video trains and the train drivers have got to know him and so they often toot their horn to him and when they toot their horn to him he laughs so much, with so much joy and he posts these videos on Instagram and honestly, if you're having a rotten day just look at his videos and the joy in his voice when these train drivers toot their horns at him it's lovely Trevor would definitely approve
6: so, so- we're going to mark you down as a train spotter, a future train spotter, are we, Philippa?
5: Do you know, after <laughs> watching those, I was walking along and I heard the train uh, uh, hoop and I suddenly oh, went, oh, God. that's lovely. Shall I make a video of that? But uh, no.
6: Philippa, you okay. haven't got enough time in your day. You've got enough. God. <laughs> no. In, on the, in terms of the impact that this character has had, I mean, by Thursday evening, Trevor was trending on Twitter at number 26.
5: <laughs> 26. <laughs> Wonderful.
6: Um and that's testament to the impact that the characters had on uh, on the listeners. So uh, once again, as somebody said, it's the it's the power of the tweet along. But, yeah, 26 after just two episodes. It's not bad. It's
5: not at all, no. So
6: I, I mean, just hope, I, I hope he hangs around. Uh, are they going to retain a actor yeah. of um, <laughs> no. Mr. Ryan Tutt's stature for that long? Or is he going to go to Hungary like uh, Debbie has? We'll see. But, uh, and join up, of course, with Tanzan. And uh, re- they, they acted on Greenwing, Yes,
5: of indeed. What? Indeed.
6: Yes, oh. So more, more Trev, please, more Trev.
5: Can I just say that line once more? The bear of biscuits a mate for life oh, i just love that i'm that's my next t-shirt i know every week i get a t-shirt printed with a line on but that's this week's
6: and what biscuits do you think rex brought
4: back
5: Oh, rex would have bought something awful something like a well you see whatever i say now someone's going to a bourbon see that (laughs) pretends to be chocolate, but it's just not. Oh, I don't like bourbon. No, no. exactly. Rex would not have bought the appropriate level of biscuit, I think. But uh, anyway, we'll have some more of your calls in a moment. But if you're listening to this thinking you'd like to record a message and you're wondering how to do it, here's how.
6: Yeah, so we we proclaim ourselves, don't we, Philippa, as the the people's podcast. So we need you people, please. So uh, if you (laughs) you want to record a message or a plot prediction, one way is to visit the dumptydum.com website where you can click the red tab, which you'll find on the left-hand side, which says send voicemail, and then submit your call. Honestly, it is really, really easy. You can have as many goes as you like. Nobody will know that you've uh, tried 100 times or whatever, hmm. so don't worry. And um, so that's one way to send a recorded message. Another way is to send a WhatsApp voice note to this number, O seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. That's O seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. Remember, if you're calling from outside the UK, to add a plus forty-four. And speaking of the
5: website, you'll find a link there to Patreon where you can financially support the show. Your help would be greatly appreciated. Right, so let's get back to those calls. And first of all, we hear from Jen, who has had to call in a second time because Russ
1: has made her mad. Just a quick postscript from Jen. I couldn't even mention Russ in the same breath as Bert. (laughs) I mean, two polar opposites there's never been. But your brother is a tick who deserves to be silenced or needs to know when to be silent? Mm. I'm sorry, Liz. Lily, no more excuses. You've got to dump this man. That is your twin he is talking to. Um, Horrendous, horrendous. I'm sure Quentin can comment on um, twin relationship and stuff, but surely after somebody has insulted your twin brother that way, the line has been crossed. Russ has to go.
5: Yes, Jen, I agree. Well, I, I sort of agree. Russ is awful. He makes me mad as well. I don't want him to go because I, I want to hear him get his comeuppance. So I want him to stay around, but be dealt a, a poor uh, choice of cards. I think I, I would like I would like Freddie to gain his sort of confidence I think Freddie is a nice person he's a kind person um I mean even this week he was thinking of the injustice of Blake not having his job anymore and how he needs help and Elizabeth didn't really seem that that bothered and just said oh well he'll get help from Pat at the Elms I mean that that's not gonna make the difference to Blake if Pat turns up with some soup but Blake needs more help than that trust me um but yeah I think Freddie is a kind chap OK, he sometimes is a bit misguided. Sometimes his plans don't work quite so well, but he cares. He's enthusiastic and Russ is, is just horrible to him. So I want to hear Russ get his comeuppance and, and then stay living in Ambridge, but just as these sort of muttering side characters. Maybe he could replace Bert and try and write his own poetry. And uh, oh. yeah. Oh.
6: That would be, no, that would be. don't inflict awesome. that on us. <laughs> well, his,
5: his view on Bert's poetry was oh,
6: horrible. It really or, was. Borsuch banalities. Yes, yeah.
5: didn't like that. And uh, when he said that um, she'd be te- he'd been teaching Chelsea on, on her own and uh, she was all very brittle, I enjoyed it. He said, oh gosh, awful, mm. awful man. So yeah, Jen, uh, Russ has made me mad too.
6: You see, um, short of being thrown out of Lower Locksley by Freddie as a way of jettisoning this ghastly man, You know, he's come up as might be that he once again strays and he gets prosecuted. So that's another way that we might see the back of Russ. We shall see. Uh, yeah, that tick line, that was a nasty line, but also it alarmed me. There was an element in that line, the way it was delivered of coerciveness, wasn't there? Mm. Um needs to know when to speak and when to be silent
0: oh yeah mm, didn't, yeah didn't
6: like that yeah. didn't like that I thought there was an edge in there that was alarming um Jen asked me as a twin whether uh, i i would uh brook any criticism of my twin um
5: yes, I was interested to hear your views. <laughs>
6: I mean, the bond between twins is is phenomenal. Uh, there's no doubt about it because there's almost an unspoken language between you. So um, you you do feel it if the other one is is hurt in any way. That said, you know if somebody has a legitimate criticism of my twin brother, um, <laughs> then I'm prepared to accept it. I'm not going to defend him to the hilt, but I know I know what you're on about, Jen. And uh, she should have been more defensive of her twin brother. I suppose she would say she was. Carrying out a rear guard action by getting uh, 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 Russ to say something nice to him, and she, uh, well, oh, she said, uh, she said, and he's going to make an announcement about one of the films. So maybe her approach to was take was to take a softly, softly one, but um, she didn't really stand up for him there and then, did she?
5: No, it was such an about turn. I just thought. no. No, you don't get to be a goody person now. You've been horrible to him throughout. You just, no. And that's why I say I think Lily and Russ deserve each other. They're both vile.
6: There are some redeeming qualities about Lily. There are, at times.
5: Such much, as? Much less vile.
6: <laughs> much, much, much she can vile. sell a
5: kitchen. She's good at selling kitchen. Much kitchens. less
6: vile than Russ. No, she she does try and help people at times. She does.
5: Well, uh, 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 go God, tell me, because I seem to have forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah.
6: She wanted to help Chelsea with her dyslexia, didn't she?
5: Well, did she? Okay, I'm going to be argumentative now. But did she really? Because she was, she said to Chelsea, you know, oh, well, you know, if you need any help. And then Chelsea said, oh, yes, please. And Liddy was very, so, oh, it's one of those things that she offered and didn't have any yeah. intention of but following She was through.
6: kind during her mother's short depression.
5: She was. That is, that is true, that
6: that is true yeah okay i'll i'll allow that then all right she, she's not as vile as russ nobody is
5: no that she's not as vile i just think she, at the moment she is acting in a way where she deserves russ
6: uh, in, entirely um, well it's the way that she can't see any fault in him that's rather alarming and that's mm. uh that coercive edge that I noticed I wonder if that's beginning to play in their relationship
5: and sort of it almost sounds as if she's scheming with her mother as well as Russ to yeah to yeah. be not quite
6: so nice to Freddie and Elizabeth
5: is just
6: isn't it's back to that tolerance I can't understand Elizabeth's tolerance of mm. the whole setup I cannot
5: anyway Jen thank you very much for that call and now we go to Cheryl who has some really really relatable points to make about grief
9: Hi, Philippa and Quentin. It's Cheryl here calling from Cornwall. It appears that this week we were mostly talking about bereavement in the arches and the way that people experience it. So we had Beth demanding that Ben feel something that he just wasn't ready to feel. She wanted him to be hysterical and getting all his feelings out, but uh, he had what I think was a far more uh, natural response to the trauma of being with somebody who's died suddenly. And just needing time to work out what it is you do feel, um, especially for Ben, who is on that cusp of, of starting a career where he is going to see a lot of death, um, and how he's going to think about that, how he's going to feel about it in the future, whether he can cope with that. And then we had Trevor, who clearly could talk the hind legs of a donkey at the best of times, but in his brief state probably even doubly so and again wonderfully portrayed and, and written and um, played by Ginny and Ryan Tutte. Um because we've all been in that situation where somebody has died and we just find ourselves blathering on about all sorts of shite and not really making any sense to anyone or, or, or just being the most boring person in the room as you try and avoid talking about how you're feeling and, and what's going on. Just that bit where he gave Rex the approval uh of his father when Rex has been seeking the approval of his own father for so long, just beautifully written and, and just gave a little bit of a tear in my eye. And I know a lot of people didn't like Trevor, but how can you not like somebody who can outbore Tony? <laughs> I just loved that bit where Tony was saying about feeling he was pinned to the sofa
6: that's one of those calls isn't it from uh from cheryl who's somebody who's really listened carefully and gone away and really mm. considered what they've listened to and to come out with some really wise insights and um her theme there is is dealing with grief uh isn't it and blathering on about all sorts of shite <laughs> when when you're when you're trying to process it and deal with it i i got the impression that trevor at actually is is lonely anyway I thought that was the subplot really when he said that he just wanted to be with people and to have company and we know he's got his wife Barbara and daughter Amy Mm. but I wonder beyond that whether he has many friends knows many people uh he seemed to enjoy coming to ambridge and wanted to get to the bull he needs to have people around him doesn't he mm. so maybe that's uh, a, a, an area of his character that will be that will be fleshed out um and i agree with you Cheryl, that that's if you like laying his hands on rex and telling him of his father's approval mm. for him treat, treating him like a second son was was, was lovely and particularly poignant because you never get the feeling from Rex's natural father that he's been much of a father. And, you know, he went off, didn't he, to be with some flusy in London rather than see mm-hmm. Rex's rewilding project. He's like any son. He's seeking the approval of his father, never gets it, but they're unspoken, but gently told. We heard that Bert regarded him as a second son. That was very, very, that was a lovely uh, end to the week. Mm-hmm. I thought, and again, beautifully written and enacted as Cheryl says we've discussed Beth's um approach to Ben over his grief um maybe we disagree about about this uh, Cheryl I I thought actually I thought she handled it fairly well maybe a bit too brusque and blunt but I guess it's the <laughs> uh they've got to squeeze everything into 13 minutes But it does raise the question, will will he be able to cope with these sorts of things when he's a nurse and hence his doubts that he expressed to Beth? Um, I I think he will. I mean, nursing isn't all about that, is it? So, um, uh, you know, there's plenty for him to to learn about nursing, but he's he's (laughs) been a bit of a baptism of fire, has not he, so far, poor old Ben. But, you know, if he wants to... Specialize, as he indicated to Ruth this week, that he wants to specialize with with older people. Then he will have to deal with death quite regularly. But great call, Cheryl, and I've 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 learned a lot from your call. Thank you.
5: Yes, it was a it was a great call. Uh, unlike Ruth, Ruth was not great this week. She, she was awful when Ben was trying to talk to her about his choices and and what to do. She was no help whatsoever. And then the minute she realizes eventually that Bert wasn't asleep she sent Ben to the kitchen like a child I mean how does she treat this person he's always coming to her asking for her advice and and I just think she's yes
6: I I didn't approve of of isn't a mother's natural instinct to protect their child from horrible things
5: not someone that's 19 wants to be a nurse. Yeah, that's already started. (laughs) It's at university. And actually might be the one who actually has the most training. I know he's just started, but you know, if if we look at the qualifications of everyone in that room. Ben was the one possibly who might have had more of a clue, I mean, but he hasn't fared well with his medical experiences so far, has he? As as we've heard, but um, come on, Ben. I think I think he'll be a great nurse because I think everyone has to go through their challenging time, and I think he's getting his challenges out of the way now, and uh, then he'll be he'll be a really good nurse. I think.
6: But can I defend Ruth here? What I mean, no. yeah.
5: I'm leaning back in my chair, Quentin. Oh, I know. Breathe deep At
6: least it's not Pip. At least it's not Pip. Um, Come on, then. She encouraged him when he was saying that he wanted to specialise with older people, right? Mm. She said, you're really good with older people. Look how you are with your grandmother. Look how you are with Leonard. And he joked, yeah, look how I am with you. Um so she was encouraging. Yeah, but she didn't want to supportive. talk about it then.
5: She was like, "Oh, can't we talk about it later?" Or, "Oh," and he was saying, "Well, no, I need to. I've got time before I go to university. I'd really like to talk about it now." Um, I no, no, come on, you you can't. Let's not be nice to Ruth. It's been a bad week, Quentin. Don't don't make things she, worse.
6: She 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 and she um administered CPR on on Bert.
5: Yeah, well, uh, I don't
6: know. She, d- you're you're in a mean you're in a mean mood this week. I'm Why not did, and it, just
5: Rufus. No, she did. And shall we not even? I am disappointed, dum dummers, that nobody has called oh yes. in about the pudding versus uh dessert it's unbelievable
6: isn't it really uh,
5: i'm sorry if we could just get priorities in terms of the content of the archers this week that is a key point and you've let me down um so i'm not going to reveal my views on uh, puddings versus desserts because yes n- nobody called in but what i would say is that i loved the conversation between jill and rex when rex had said oh my father's called you know um and he can't make it and it was the combination for jill of robin fairbrother who she can't bear and that he was going to a celebrity chef who as we know she also can't bear Uh, just the expression in her voice of the utter disdain for both those circumstances in one sentence i loved hearing that
6: he relished that look i've got to drag it out of you Uh um pudding or dessert?
5: Well, when I go to a restaurant, I don't ask for the pudding menu. I ask for the dessert menu. Oh, I don't like that But word. when I'm at home, it's puddings. Um, yes. Technically, I would say a pudding is something that you have to add custard ugh, or ice cream or cream Lovely. to. So like a warm pudding,
6: like a sticky toffee pudding. But the generic, generic, you're being too specific here, but If here. You you generically, have cheese puddings cake. or desserts. Puddings or desserts?
5: No, I'm saying it's different, different titles for different circumstances.
6: No, 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 you've got to choose one word to cover the entire third course. Okay.
5: desing. What? Dessert pudding. I've combined the two. Dessing. Okay.
6: Pudding. It's, it's pudding for me every time. I will not tolerate sweet in any no, circumstance. No,
5: sweets are something that are... That yes, give you make you hyper, and
6: that you eat in the cinema. You see, dessert sounds like somebody years ago tried to poshify the word pudding.
5: So, when you're in a restaurant, do you ask for the pudding menu?
6: If I had to ask for a menu, yeah, I would I'd say puddings. I, I, mean, I do use the word dessert because they always use the word dessert on the bloody menu, don't they? Say, so well, what would say like for dessert? And I go, all right. uh, but if uh, if I wanted. Uh, the menu to to be uh, returned to me. I would say pudding. I love the word pudding. Pudding is a fabulous English word. Dessert is made up. It's trying to make pudding posh.
5: You've got more to say about it, me. So if you launched your own restaurant, it would definitely be the pudding menu. It wouldn't be... Yeah, yeah. You see, it used to be that they'd come out with a trolley of the final course. Can
6: you see it on the trolley? Yeah,
5: but it yeah. wouldn't be oh, have you got the pudding trolley? It's the dessert
6: trolley. So because people are trying to be all up themselves
5: so it's the final course, the best course. That's what I do, actually. If, it, <laughs> yes. if I got my way, it'd be starter main and uh, <laughs> yeah. the last yeah, course. But anyway, there yeah. we go. Cheryl, thank you so much for that. That was absolutely super, really useful call there. And now we go to Catherine, who has some observations on Trevor, Russ, and everything that happened in the week.
4: Hi, dum to dum It's Catherine. I'm sitting in the sun with my cat, Fabio. Who is lounging delightedly? Um, loved this week. Thought the writing about Trevor was just brilliant, um, and I liked. Apparently, he was trending on Twitter for a while. Uh, I thought the Bert's demise was very well signposted, and basically, they gave a they gave him a pickled egg, and that was it. Uh, we don't need Bert. Gave him a pickled egg. They um, chanted on about foot and mouth disease. What a way to go! And as everyone said, Ben, is it Ben who's being the nurse? He was distinctly crap. How he thinks he's going to manage on a busy ward, God knows. Um, of course, Russ is back. We all love to hate Russ. And I love it that Lily can see he's getting frisky already with Chelsea. He's, uh, they said, oh, you've been to see Chelsea and you've come back grumpy. I don't know, it's, perhaps it's uh, frustrated sexual desire because he is an old pervert. Um, also, wasn't he an art teacher? How come he's managing to uh, teach secondary English? I mean, primary, you could probably... Uh, Managed because primary teachers are experts in everything, but mm-hmm. secondary English, it really does need uh, a specialist. I'd have said. Um, all in all, it was great, and I think they were really, really mean to Trevor. He was fantastic. I love the game about a double act and whether they went alphabetically or not. I'd have talked about that for ages. And sandwiches around the world about what he'd eaten in Strasbourg. He was just an del- utter delight. Um, I thought they went far too fast. To he's really boring. Um, and David is really one to talk. He's got a model railway set, for goodness sake, who almost saw then? Uh, what does he know about being interesting? The most tedious, individual, self-centred hobby ever that has no interest to anybody else. So yeah, really mean to him. And um, that whole badger thing was quite funny, but it was implausible. Um, And I think anybody who was suffering from bereavement, they would have sat and listened to him. Yet his bereavement seemed to be funny or boring. So that was uh, good for the listener, but poor old Trevor. I hope he stays and Umi, as Ruth calls uh, the daughter, comes back because they seem to be really developing the younger characters. Have a nice week, everybody. Bye.
5: Thanks, Catherine. That was great. Yes, that pickled egg. My goodness. Um, I'm shouting the word badger. I'd have laughed more if David had been there on the rotor. And if he had to shout the word badger, because obviously with all the the history with David and Badgers, I'd have liked to have heard that. Catherine, you are right. You You are right. Russ is an art teacher. So how is he able to deliver what seems to be such a high level of teaching? to chelsea on in on english yes very very good point
6: and Catherine knows knows her things about knows her thing about teaching because she's a teacher isn't she she so, is she is and a secondary a secondary school teacher as, as well so
5: and she's a very very good person on giving advice and information on dealing with teenagers Catherine, you are a star i also want to ask about rex's ringtone what Huffin? he has the most <laughs> boring ringtone in the history, why can't they have? I mean, Eddie's got one that I think is fairly appropriate for Eddie. But what about the other ringtones in Ambridge? It's like they've gone back twenty years, and that you've only got the choice of two or three ringtones. Rex would have something much more. Well I'm going to say it's much more interesting, but maybe that's
6: Would she, it? yeah, maybe he'd
5: have something even if it's just about
6: rewilding yeah but i'm I'm really interesting, and I've got a dull ringtone, I just use oh, one of the standard ones
5: no Quentin, no, I you, do no oh my goodness, this is shocking what, what which ringtone do you have?
6: God knows just the, the the least irritating oh. <sighs> What do you have? God, I dread to say, what have you got? (laughs)
5: Well, I have a range of ringtones to suit where we are. So obviously 1st of December, there'll be a Christmas ringtone. Oh, God. Um, but I think
6: I'm the You're only... Worst. Imagine sitting sitting next to you on a train and your bloody <laughs> ringtones go off. Sorry, carry on. Right, we've got uh, I a think, Christmas one. Yes, yeah.
5: uh, I, and I've got to arrange Star Wars, obviously, um, theme tune for Despicable Me, but I think I'm the only person who has attended a meeting of bishops, had to leave the room, leaving my handbag in the room with my phone switched on, and my ringtone at that point was the theme tune to Sex in the City. So there we go. <laughs> Not good, but anyway.
6: Moral of the story, folks, is just have a boring ringtone. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. One other thing that Catherine picked up on was the the alphabetical duos, which really got into my head <laughs> after after that it was mentioned because I went, I switched off and rest for about half an hour. After I was thinking of alphabetical duos, weren't you? It's one of those that once you get started, you can't help yourself, and. um <laughs> again, he was fundamentally right. Most of them do follow alphabetically. Also, it's important how they scan. God, I'm sounding like bloody Trevor now, but um, (laughs) you can see how it got into my head and and lots of other people's as well. But um, um, thank you, Catherine, for a wonderful call. And she also sent me one or two pictures of Fabio lazing in the sun. He's a, a very handsome cat, is our Fabio.
5: Oh, very, very good. Thank you,
6: Catherine. Black and white cat.
5: Very good. Thank you for your call. So those are the phone calls, but you can also send us an email or a text if you prefer. So how can dumpty dummers do that, Quentin?
6: Yes, uh, you're very welcome to send a text to this number 07957 167696. That's uh, 07957 167696. Remember, if you're calling from outside the UK to add a plus 44, or if you'd prefer to send an email visit the DumptyDum.com website and click the contact us tab at the top of the DumptyDum.com website do please get your calls emails and text in just before noon on sunday as we record at midday uk time and remember you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments
5: and so we go from our caller inners to our email and text inners and our text this week is from helen and she has something to say about trevor
6: Yes. uh, This is from Helen Grady. Uh, She's one of my my favorite people on on Twitter, Mm -hmm. although uh, amazingly, she doesn't follow me back. I cannot believe that. (laughs) Anyway, Helen writes, well, I've realized I'm a Trevor. I didn't find his stories boring and could have traded his judge on the train anecdote with my priest on the bus funny riff. (laughs) Disappointed in Tony Leonard et al., Trevor has just lost his dad and a bit of patience should have been extended. Those who find others boring are usually the bores themselves. Trevor is what I would call a noticer of the world around him, repackage it and call it mindfulness. And we'd think he was a guru. Mm. <laughs> I, I like that, Helen. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those, you, I was guilty. I judged him too quickly. When I listened to him again, I thought, I ah, know, as I said before, there's more to Trevor than meets the ear or the eye. And I like that reference to him as a noticer of the world he is. Mm. He takes great pleasure in the small things in in life and and around him, and makes, I would imagine, at times quite profound <laughs> observations. So, yeah, maybe we are in store. Uh, we're we're getting uh, built up to expect the the guru that is Trevor. But um, and the title that she gave to this was "In Defense of Boring," and I know what you mean, Helen. But uh, thanks ever so much. That, that was interesting insight. I agree with you.
5: Yes, Helen, thank you so much. And don't feel obliged to follow Quentin <laughs> now just because he said that on <laughs> Shameless <hello>. fishing. <laughs> yes, shameless it fishing. it really is. Um, yeah, I like the point you make about those who find others boring usually the boars themselves. And, and as Quentin's already mentioned, that when you say Trevor is a noticer of the world around hmm. him. Yeah, I wouldn't hmm. want to spend every minute of the day in Trevor's company, but I certainly would like to spend some time because he's just got... Such gems to impart, I think. So, yeah, absolutely, complete, completely agree. Thank you, Helen, so much for that. Um, and our email this week is from.
6: <laughs> oh, I go now? I'm <laughs> oh, no. off. Bye. It's from Bye. Anon
5: of Ambridge. Uh, no, I've had enough. Bye. Here we go. Dear Auntie Philippa and Uncle Quentin, I've heard rumours that Chelsea is going to have a hairdressers in Ambridge, and Joy is going to be the receptionist. This would be great. When will it open? I need a haircut from anon.
6: Do we care? care?
5: (laughs) Well, and I I was obviously listening last week to when uh, the the Joy of Jackie, the Jackie of Joy was on, who was wonderful. She was sensational. Um, And uh, yes, there was the suggestion, Witherspoon suggested about this hairdressers being open and Joy being the receptionist. Um, Well, Anon, I, I can't tell you when it's going to happen. And if you're in desperate need of a haircut, I'd suggest getting not waiting because otherwise you'd be plaiting your hair um, wh- when and if it actually happens. But uh, keep in touch, Anon. We love hearing from you. Well,
6: My, my concern is um, would actually Anon be able to get an appointment because Russ would be down there all the time, wouldn't he?
5: <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs> Having a little trim here and there.
7: Um <sighs>
6: I, I I would say if you are can't get in to the the uh, the new hairdressers that you should uh, pay a visit to the new shop in town which is Trab's Shop, which I think should be called Rock and Rolls.
5: Oh, clever, Quentin. Uh-huh. Very good. Yeah, so, so,
6: so yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, obviously, the rock reference and rolls. I thought sandwich yeah, reference. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. very
5: impressed with that. That's that's your pinnacle of today. Well done.
6: I think I've I've pinnacled. Yes.
5: Yes. Anyway, thank yeah. you for your calls and emails and texts. We value them so much. Please keep them coming in.
1: Ready to pop the question.
5: And so to Facebook and our lovely Dumpty Dum community there as we sit back for the weekly roundup with Witherspoon.
2: Greetings, Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here with this week's social media roundup. Our Facebook group is now 1,835 members strong. Well, it was quite the week in Ambridge, a feel-good gathering, a death, a brief period of shock and mourning, and two days of boredom. Sunday was the long-awaited harvest supper. I and others, such as Tommy Krausen, liked the episode. A gold star for predictions goes to Lillian McCarthy, who was the first to worry that we were about to lose Bert. Guy Ladbrook and Mellie McMerriweather shared the same concerns. Helen Burrows thought that we might be losing Jill as well, but I think Jill will continue to speak her mind as long as Patricia Green wants to voice her, and I hope that's for many more years. We did have dissenting opinions about the episode from Carolyn Wright and Seb DeFahey, who found it to be long and boring. Well, that's what makes horse races. And then came Monday, a sad day for many. Dumpty Demmer struggled with how to communicate their feelings without giving away the plot. We had some brief posts such as wow from Joanne Smith, no from Darcy Jorgensen, and shock horror from Phil Parks. Kay Goff was a bit more critical, chastising Ruth for not being more aggressive in getting help and trying to revive Bert. This did spur an exchange of thoughts on the topic— Emma Louise Woodhouse said, given that Bert was asleep for a while, his age, and the gentle nature of his passing, she would have done the same. There were also some dissenting opinions about Bert. He wasn't a favorite, of very dumpty-dumber. Mia Fox didn't mince her words. I found Bert really annoying, and I'm quite glad he's gone. Jillian Holmes agreed with Mia. She wrote, try as they might, he ne- never came across as endearing to me. And then Trevor arrived. Okay, we had to have a visit from his nearest and dearest, but did we have to have two days of someone we didn't know spouting off useless trivia? However, many of us were disappointed with the lack of patience exhibited by the likes of Tony, Eddie, and others when dealing with Trevor. And Moser pointed out that Tony calling anyone boring has more than a whiff of pot calling the kettle black. She's got a point. Wendy Rowcroft wrote... Surely, we all meet boring people all the time, and we just deal with it. On the other hand, Gillian Holmes pointed out that Trevor had no idea that he was boring, and the villagers rallied around him to make him feel among friends. And Van Bliet thought the same, as did I. The only other bit of a storyline we heard this week was the sniping between Freddie and Russ neither comported himself well. Stephen Bowden pointed out that the 12th of December 2024 is the day Freddie has circled on his calendar. It's the twins' 25th birthday, and Freddie becomes lord of the manor. So Russ, watch out. Fiona Crawford lamented, oh my god, another three years of Russ. If this be our fate, I hope he spends much of it as a silent character. I ended the week with a post about Rex's ex, Anisha. She's landed way up in Shetland, where you can find her in a supporting role as the procurator fiscal in my favourite of all the great British police procedurals. On that note, I'll bid you goodbye for now and turn you back to your hosts. Talk to you soon.
5: Thank you, Witherspoon, and everyone who's posted their thoughts on the de Dum Facebook group. What a great community. Do join the group.
6: Have I mentioned Twitter at all? Because we're also on Twitter, uh, and uh, at uh, Dumpty Dum, our great team always include the Archers hashtag, and uh, using the capital T and A. That's because it means the visually impaired can also enjoy any Archers-based tweets as well. Like them, do try and include at Dumpty Dum uh, in your tweet as well, so we can all see your tweets and keep our community growing.
5: As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be
6: found at QuickBook
5: Review. How about you, Quentin?
6: You'll find my rantings at Thirteen Minute Man. That's one three Minute Man. And now it's time to crown our tweeters of the week. Two of them I spotted during the week and one uh, today during the the tweet-along, so it's always open right up until the last minute, folks. Uh, And in bronze, we have somebody who's uh, now clanking with quite a few of these around his neck, Dominic Young as Budgie 500. You'll like this one, Philippa. Here's a twist for Halloween. Tony shouts, Badger, David bursts in and shoots him.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Bravo.
6: Well done. Now, this one in silver from alternative archers at alternative archer uh, i was lobbied heavily for and i spotted this one and it, it it's, could have well have been gold but uh, it, it's picked up the silver and it goes like this <clears throat> trevor i take after my dad with my poetry but haven't written for years here's one i wrote for rex last night rocks beige on gravel wet with rain quite old I think he was moved by it. <laughs> so that's a, a poem by Trevor a to Rex. Poem by Trevor, wonderful. And it picks up Alternative arches, a silver medal, but, but in gold. And this one really was unassailable. It comes from Paula Harris at Paula H. Oh, Russ, how I want to smear your face with a Montbelliard's turd and hang you in one of your awful exhibitions. There is only one annoying tick in the village. (laughs) Paula, that is magnificent.
3: It is.
6: (laughs) Absolutely magnificent. So Paula wins the gold medal (laughs) this week.
5: (laughs) Uh, Now, being British, we hate talking about money, don't we? But there are costs involved in keeping the podcast afloat. So if you would be interested in supporting Dumpty Dum, we'd be ever so grateful.
6: You can do this via the Patreon tipping system, which you can find on the Dumpty Dum website or by going to patreon.com and typing in dumpty-dum, any coppers will be gratefully received.
5: And thanks again to Jen, Helen, Lauren, Christine, Cheryl, Catherine and, of course, Anon of Ambridge for their calls, emails and texts.
6: Thanks also to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V Freeman and Royfield Brown.
5: So what will be revealed next week? Will Trevor decide to move to Ambridge permanently? There'll be a new train spotting club before we know it. Will Jill be available to hire as an after-dinner speaker? Will Jazza and Blake be out of work and about to sue Martin manipulative Gibson for every penny? We can only hope. And will we all want a group trip to have a ham and cheese sandwich at Strasbourg train station? You do. All will be revealed. Um, But now it's time to say bye-bye for this episode. And with this week's, you know, such sad news... I thought it was right to end on Jill's toast. You are the harvest. All of you here and all those others still in our memories. You and they are the harvest that I want to give thanks for. And so it's a haroo from me.
6: And a farewell, Millie Bell, from me.